Welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Writers Workshop. I'm Christine and I'm here with John. Hey, John. Hello. Okay, it's my turn. I picked The Swimmer by John Cheever. As soon as Enid Bunker saw him, she began to scream, Oh, look who's here. What a marvelous surprise. When Lucinda said that you couldn't come, I thought I'd die. She made her way to him through the crowd, and when they had finished kissing, she led him to the bar, a progress that was slowed by the fact that he stopped to kiss eight or ten other women and shake the hands of his many men. A smiling bartender he had seen at a hundred parties gave him a gin and tonic, and Ned stood by the bar for a moment, anxious not to get stuck in any conversation that would delay his voyage. When he seemed about to be surrounded, he dove in and swam close to the side to to avoid colliding with Rusty's raft. He climbed out of the far end of the pool, bypassed the Tomlinsons with a broad smile, and jogged up the garden path. The gravel cut his feet, but this was the only unpleasantness. The party was confined to the pool, and as he went toward the house, he heard the brilliant, watery sounds of voices fade, heard the noise of a radio from the bunker's kitchen where someone was listening to a ball game. Sunday afternoon, he made his way through the parked cars and down the grassy border of their driveway to Alewives Lane. He did not want to be seen on the road in his bathing trunk but there was no traffic and he made the short distance to the levee's driveway marked with a private property sign and a green tube for the times. All the doors and windows of the big house were open, but there were no signs of life, not even a barking dog. He went around the side of the house to the pool and saw that the levees had only recently left. Glasses and bottles and dishes of nuts were on a table at the deep end where there was a bathhouse or gazebo hung with Japanese lanterns. After swimming the pool, he got himself a glass and poured a drink. It was his fourth or fifth drink and he had swum nearly half the length of the Lucinda River. He felt tired, clean, and pleased at that moment to be alone, pleased with everything. It would storm. The stand of cumulus clouds that city had risen and darkened, and while he sat there, he heard thunder. The de Havilland trainer was still circling overhead, and it seemed to Ned that he could almost hear the pilot laugh with pleasure in the afternoon. But when there was another peal of thunder, he took off for home. A train whistle blew, and he wondered what time it had gotten to be. Four? Five? He thought of the station, where at that hour, a waiter, his tuxedo concealed by a raincoat, a dwarf with some flowers wrapped in newspaper, and a woman who had been crying would be waiting for the local. It was suddenly growing dark. It was that moment when the pin-headed birds seemed to organize their song into some acute and knowledgeable recognition of the storm's approach. From the crown of an oak at his back, there was a fine noise of rushing water, as if a spigot there had been turned on. Then the noise of fountains came from the crowns of all the tall trees. Why did he love storms? What was the meaning of his excitement when the front door sprang open and the rain wind fled rudely up the stairs? Why had the simple task of shutting the windows of an old house seemed fitting and urgent? Why did the first watery notes of a storm and have for him the unmistakable sound of good news, cheer, glad tidings. There is an explosion, a smell of cordite, and rain lashed a Japanese lanterns that Mrs. Levy had bought in Kyoto the year before last. Or was it the year before that? Yeah, so that's a random section. I had, um, when I was reading it initially, marked off this ending there where he's kind of like reflecting on the rain because I thought it was kind of like a nice scene. You get to like learn a little bit about him, like what he sees and appreciates in life, right? And that was like a very small thing. And then I'm just now realizing that like that might be the first point in the story or one of the first points in the story where you get the sense that he is not a totally reliable narrator where he's talking about um, he doesn't even remember what year she got the Japanese 
means lanterns. So the story plays a lot with time and, you know, what part of it is, what part of the story covers, how fast it's passing, what he's aware of, you know. So he's like, he's unraveling in that sense. So the story starts out like in summer and then like by the end it's cold. So you're like, wait, is he swimming in the winter? Is it fall? Like what's happening, you know? And I think that was one of the the points at which you're like, oh, wait a second. He's not totally with it. I found the the most obvious place where that kind of shift happened was he literally crossed a road and it's like, yes, it's a crossing of a border. Everything after that crossing started to go downhill. People were not as nice to him. He had worse interactions. They wouldn't give him drinks anymore. That kind of thing. I think at that point where he decides to do that too, it's like he's reasoning with himself that he didn't plan to have to cross the street, but he's already so far that yes. like he has to go do this. forward or else double back and like do a lot more. And it's also a point at which the story takes a weird narrative kind of turn right Mm -hmm. before he finally crosses it it says had you gone for a sunday afternoon ride that day you might have seen him close to naked standing on the shoulders of route 424 waiting for a chance to cross and then yeah it gradually it dips back into his uh you know he seemed pitiful is an external view it's like this is me driving oh he seems pitiful and the very next line is he had known when he started and we're back in his head right yeah there's this little break out of his head and then back in i know i didn't like it (laughs) i mean that's it's a thing that happens but but it's a border it's another kind of border but you're right yeah like if it was going to happen that's a good point in the story for it to happen we talk about that all the time like when we talk about this in workshops like when you're allowed to slip in and out of points of view and it's like you just have to know when and why you're doing it and it's not a shift of point of view it's a shift of psychic distance which is a different axis on that right we're still looking at him (laughs) right right but it's also like i'm talking to you like had you seen him like they're talking to us yeah the the narrator is is still the narrator the narrator is still the one telling us the story but now Mm -hmm. they've stepped back from it and said hey get a load of this guy and then before he starts going back into who who he's talking about more closely right it's not like a second person shift it's just like a like that you is like um it's just a direct address is addressing us or not even that it's almost like the it's not it's not a direct address it's like um, it's 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 a generalization (laughs) yeah yeah like yeah it's like yeah like you said would you get a load of this guy so that psychic distance that shift bothered me yeah (laughs) but like but to your point like it's very quickly back in line and then if you do think about it in terms of like it happening at a certain point in the story where it's kind of crucial, it's like, okay, it makes oh, fine. I'll allow it, Cheever. <laughs> but if I was a New Yorker editor, I would have been like, I, I don't like this part. I mean, if we're thinking about this for our own writing, it's like, when is it appropriate to do that? I remember a long time ago, I talked about in the novel, I, I had this moment where something really intense was happening. And then I stepped back and started talking about the weather before I like moved on to like what happened next. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know why I did that, but it felt like... Like that kind of in retrospect it was like i'd reached an emotional apex and mm. then you want to like step away from that to get this you've built the emotional beat yeah. and then you're doing something else you're, you're moving out it's like a signal that we're going to build a new emotional we're going to go on sense. a new emotional journey yeah you kind of like want to like um pause like you said yeah. like take a beat and like redirect or like um it's kind of like let's go over what just happened like did, did that sink in yeah it's like a breathing space yeah okay fine we'll allow it. So the, the point is being aware of that as a reason to do it. You're not just doing it willy nilly. You have to have a reason. <laughs> 
Right. Which is everything you do in fiction. Have a reason for why you chose that word, why you chose to do this particular effect at this particular moment. Which, okay, maybe he did or didn't. I don't know. That's the other, that's what that's why I get annoyed. I'm like, maybe we're like assigning, maybe we're giving Cheever a lot of credit for having done it at that moment, you know? Whereas like if he had submitted this to our workshop, I would have been like, that was a mistake, right? Okay. I'll give <laughs> Cheever that credit. <laughs> But I don't, I don't know if I'd give everybody that credit. That's what I mean. I'm like. <laughs> like he is accomplished. He fine. knows what he's doing. Fine. Yeah, fine. But when we read any published work, we give it a little more yeah. credit. Even if they didn't know why they did it, the fact that it felt right to they, them in that yeah, moment. Yeah, it was an intuitive move. But if we're trying to like, you know, point of this podcast is to think more analytically about these things. So is that we're the not point? saying how to intuit why a good story is good. It's like, oh, it feels so good. I'm going to try to recreate that feeling of it being good. It's like, how do I recreate that feeling of it being worldwide? So it's good. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I get it. We have to beat dead horses on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Here we have a character, Nettie, who you kind of like realize by the end, his family does not exist anymore. Like they've lost the house or they've divorced or whatever, but it's like a financial thing where by the time he ends his swimming journey through all of everyone's backyard pools, the Lucinda River, and he's back at his own home, presumably months in the future and like disoriented and trying to figure out what happened. Like we're supposed to realize that he has been lying to himself about the fact that his life literally fell apart and it fell apart like financially like emotionally his relationships and markedly most importantly in this plot how he has lost his standing in the community he he yeah. went from being like a welcome guest and a common fixture at these parties to what is Nettie doing naked in our pool and like no I'm not going to make you a drink <laughs> it makes sense why he would want to commit to this imagination where he is off the deep end pretending to swim through people's backyard pools he is so disconnected from reality but at some level it's a choice because his reality is so bad at first you're like what a fun idea what a fun concept it's a child's concept to think could i swim to the other side of the world could i walk to the end of the beach like kids come up with these ideas so at first it's like kind of fun it's like is he going to do it is it possible is this story going to be fantastical and then it's like no That's an interesting idea because the story could have gone a different way. He could have had that realization and started doing it. And by the time he's getting close to home, there could have been crowds of people cheering him on as he got to each pool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have been a totally different story and it would have expressed a different feeling. For sure. And um, showed him as a different character. It could have been whimsical, but he's not a whimsical guy. He's a falling apart guy. So everything falls apart instead. Yeah. I don't know. I'd kind of argue that like the concept of swimming through the pools might've been something that happened after Cheever decided this was going to be the story of a man's ruin. It's such a good idea. He gets to visit all his neighbors and each neighbor gets to represent something different in his life. Like right. when he gets to like his former mistress, you know, yeah, that's, that's perfect. a portion of his life that he gets, he's revisiting all these different things, like all these different people and what they represent to him and his relationship with the neighborhood, which represents society at large in a certain way. So you get to see that kind of shift from the first neighbor to the second neighbor, the third, and like the way in which every neighbor represents different facets of society. And because it's progressing through time as well as the space, he's changing as it goes. And his interaction with society is right. changing as it goes. It's it's a really cool kind of conceit for how to explore a life yeah. by force, forcing him to visit aspects of that life. Yeah. So however you decide to do that, whether it's by coming up with this like fantastic 
idea of swimming through the pools or like other engineered situations where you can visit these people in your life. That's yeah, that's a great, it's almost like, you know, like what if you had a family reunion and like your character's talking to like the cousin and the aunt they haven't seen and the sister they see every day. You're right. It's like a really good concept for forcing a character to deal with all that. And obviously this is not an event. This is not something that really happens. If this had not been, (laughs) if this had not been a fantastic interpretation, it might've just been a pool party, right? Yeah. It might've just been Nettie crashing a pool party that he like was not invited to because he hasn't lived in the neighborhood for six months. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. You could have gotten a similar effect by like just having him walk around a pool and like all the people who are at this party and he meets them and like everything falls apart as he gets from one side of the, you can even do some doofy metaphor with like starting at the shallow end and ending with the deep end, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because I enjoy this. I like the idea of like thinking, is this really happening or not? But I do also get like really caught up in, is this happening or not? And I also get really caught up in, well, if it didn't actually happen, then why did you tell it that way? And like, what part of it should I assign meaning? Is it all a metaphor? You know what I mean? I get really caught up in like, in that. So when I read a story like this, I cannot, I'll never be able to like think about it in terms of like oh you know the writer wanted a character to visit all these people from his past no i'm always going to think about it as oh this guy tried to swim through these pools see that's exactly <laughs> how you should think about it's it. how you should but it's it's not the story, necessarily the story the is point. not no that is the point of the story otherwise you would have written a different that, story that's my art that's my argument is it the point of the, is it the point of the story or is the point yes. of the story that this because is a guy that like what happens on the page life was what happens on the page is he swims in all these different pools so that's what happens it doesn't matter if it really there's no real it's made up so the only thing we have is what happened in the page okay well this goes there's no meaning this comes from my uh the paper i'm writing where you don't have to find a meeting in literature it's just the the reading you read the story and the story is the story yes that's (laughs) there's nothing more I totally accept that I am on your side when it comes to literary criticism, like looking too hard at what's not there and like assigning meaning to bullshit. I've been on that train since high school when I <laughs> when you had to, perform had to write that the task. fucking bullshit papers. Yeah, totally agree. It's just that in a story like this, where by the end, there is a pretty clear message, which is that this is not his real life. And he is sadly mistaken. You know, like they do pull the veil away. They do like burst the bubble. Yeah, but he's also, he also expressed that time has passed. He started in summer, ends in winter. And that could, because that happened on page, I assume that when he started, when we start the story, he's in one state. When we end the story, he's in a different state that it's not, it's not instantaneous. It's not like he's confused about where he is. I think he just, he loses. It's an activity. It's right. not a, um, he doesn't want to recognize it as it's happening. That's why he's had all that frustration and confusion at the end mm-hmm. but it's it's a happening it's not a um discovery yeah okay sure and i would defend that by saying because because that's how it unfolds yes one of the other things I noticed in this story was the way an emotion is expressed. And um, if you read a story and you say, what does it mean? You kind of are looking for an encapsulation, like some sort of like sentence that kind of tells you, oh, well, that story is about blah, blah, blah. And there are arguments that have been made that you can't encapsulate a story. A story just is what it is. And to give a summary of what a story means is to just restate the entire story from beginning to end. Mm. And I think when he's just explaining the way 
way in which the character, some of his emotions, like uh, in the third paragraph, it says, um, he was not a practical joker, nor was he a fool, but he was determinedly original and had a vague and modest idea of himself as a legendary figure. This is a really complicated feeling, right? Yeah. How are you going to summarize that? You could come up with some maybe like word that kind of fits, but it's not going to encapsulate or encompass everything that's being stated in that line. You have to let all those details kind of exist as part of your understanding of what the emotion is. Later, his heart was high and he ran across the grass, uh, making his way home by an uncommon route, gave him the feeling that he was a pilgrim, an explorer, a man with a destiny, and he knew Knew that he would find friends all along the way. Friends would line the banks of the Lucinda River. You know, that's his, it's the expression of a feeling as a, a concrete scene, right? And there's always this play on that explorer idea for all the different, the way his emotions change. This breach in his chain of water disappointed him absurdly. And he felt, again, you know, setting it up as a feeling, he felt like some explorer who seeks a torrential headwater and finds a dead stream, disappointed and mystified. I think that related to the way in which you know, you don't want to find explicit summarizing meanings for stories. I don't think you yeah, also yeah, yeah. want to find explicit summarizing descriptions of those feelings. Those right. feelings are expressed in the larger description or depiction mm-hmm. of them. I like this other one. It's near the end or nearer the end, but it's in question format. Was he losing his memory? Had his gift for concealing painful facts let him forget that he had sold his house, that his children were in trouble, and that his friend had been ill? The fact that it's written as a question kind of helps express it as a confusion, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also all these details are the kinds of, it's like this searching his memory for those particular things. I forgot that there is an explicit question there. And it's um, interesting how that comes up because he doesn't directly confront his own delusions he's not thinking to himself like have i forgotten that i am a broken man but he's like oh my god i forgot my friend was sick like it takes like someone else's problem for him to come to that realization yeah totally a tangent but i remember i remember now that that section yeah i totally i i totally appreciate that you can't like uh say what a story is about like concisely that's i guess why when we talk about like you know what's the story about like maybe it's better to say like what a theme of it was you know and that's like getting into like literary criticism but like yeah to say like a theme here is like grief maybe see uh, the way i think of theme as being different than meaning is like theme is related to what actually happens in the depiction of the story so Mm. like the odyssey one of the themes of the odyssey is the way in which communities treat guests because every time odysseus lands on a new island the way in which he's greeted is one of those important things that happens and it just happens over and over and over again so you can pull that out as like a theme because it always it happens every time, right? Right, that makes sense. So the same same way you can approach this story is you can say what keeps happening, and that would be a theme. But it, it always comes back to what is happening within the depiction. It's not 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 treating it as a metaphor, if that makes sense. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. What else did you like about this? I like the way that emotion was expressed. And there's like the little things like using rhetorical question to express confusion, mm-hmm. right? And there's another one where uh, he crossed some fields to the Biswangers and the sounds of revelry there. They would be honored to give him a drink. They would be happy to give him a drink. That repetition, right? That's yeah. expressive as well. He's being insistent, right? Mm-hmm. There's an mm-hmm. insistence to that. It's not just they would be honored to give him a drink and he, he's wrong about that. He wants to insist on the fact 
fact that they would be honored to give him a drink. Interesting. Yeah, because that all goes back to this idea that, you know, part of swimming through these pools is like proving to himself he's welcome at all these places. <laughs> There's that too, yeah. Yeah, I like the story just because I I did at first like love the idea of can he do it, you know? Yeah, it pulls you in. Yeah, you're kind of wondering, like I said, like when a, when a kid comes up with something crazy, you're like, that's a bad idea. But I'm also really curious, like how far you'll get. Yeah. So you're kind of curious how far is how, how much of this is like going to actually pan out. And then like it was a little disorienting for me, even the first time I read, especially the first time I read it, but even the second time just being like, oh, wait, this is not really happening, first of all, but also like. I mean, if it is happening, it's not happening the way he thinks it's happening. And so what is actually happening here? And then like to find out, it's just like, oh, what a bummer. This guy's nuts. Another unreliable narrator. (laughs) And then I think one of my favorite scenes is the one with the mistress. That's a good one. Yeah, because it's one of the most obvious signs of a power switch, right? I think all the scenes leading up to that were a little more subtle where you're trying to think like, is this neighbor like rebuffing him because like he just swam through their pool uninvited or is it you know speaking to this larger thing that really happened to him which is like he's been ostracized you know it's like harder to know but like with the mistress it's like it doesn't matter either way i liked it yeah it doesn't matter because it's like this is a woman that like decided whenever and for whatever reason like this guy was a piece of shit and she gets to be like no like get out of here and then he has that line and he, he references this like moment like i think at least twice where he says like this is a woman that like wept on my trousers like begging for me to come back and like she won't make me a drink it's like no netty to speak to that unreliable narrator idea or at least his kind of internal confusion he's like what do you want she asked i'm swimming across the county good christ will you ever grow up what's the matter if you've come here for money she said i won't give you another cent you could give me a drink i could but i won't i'm not alone yeah he didn't uh and his thoughts about her didn't reference the fact that he apparently asked her for a lot of money (laughs) In the past, yeah, right. And um, he doesn't even like bat an eye at that. He's like, no, I'm not here for money. I want to drink. Like he's, he's like, yeah, not even like admitting that he had to do that at some point. So do you have a takeaway from this one, John? I mean, you could take a lot of stuff just from the prose. So my yeah. takeaway is just basically how to how to express complex emotions by um, circling them, like offering as many concrete details as you can to try to express this emotion. that can't be summarized, as I said before. Right. And I gave a bunch of examples of that. This is another one I underlined. Let me see. Nettie remembered the sapphire water at the bunkers with longing and thought that he might contaminate himself, damage his own preposterousness and charm by swimming in this murk. But he reminded himself that he was an explorer, a pilgrim, and that this was merely a stagnant bend in the Lucinda River. I don't know. There's there's really interesting interplay of emotions being expressed in that line. That is one thing that I really like about the story is the way that his emotions shift and change. It's always on the theme of being analogized to the explorer and how the explorer is discovering and encountering things as he goes. Mm -hmm. But it's a cool method. I'm trying to think. I don't know what my takeaway is for this one. Like, I hate unreliable narrators. I hate delusional characters. I would never write one. I couldn't do it. You know, they're difficulty, aren't they? Yeah, I just I I don't even enjoy reading them. Usually, I feel like it's a really common theme these days. A certain like beach reads where <laughs> you know, like you're the whole time you're trying to guess what's actually happening, and it's really frustrating because I shouldn't have to guess what is in a character's head, whether or not they're mentally ill. Like with Nettie, it's like Nettie couldn't tell me what's going on in his head, but I get really upset when it's like an unreliable narrator because they're a liar, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, so I don't I wouldn't ever suggest someone do something like that, and I do get hung up. On 
on like, well, did this happen or not? But I I guess I just kind of liked, like I said, what I liked most about it is that this outlandish premise really draws you in. You're really wondering to yourself, like, is he going to wait? Can he? And you're like picturing that. So we've talked in the past, I think, like maybe most recently with that story about all the villages, kids getting turned into birds. Oh, yes. Town of birds. Yeah. Our takeaway kind of then is like, if you're having fun thinking about it and writing it, then like we'll have fun reading it, whether or not there's like a direct meaning to come from it. Yeah. So like, okay, on some level, there's a meaning to come from swimming through these pools. But like, you know, we tried to get into that and we don't necessarily agree with that is. So (laughs) it's kind of like, why don't we just just write whatever? I don't know. Just go with it. So if you have if you have like a weird I don't know just go with it's like is your story there's always going to be someone in the workshop that says well I don't get it and there's always going to be someone in the workshop that says actually this is what it means and they're totally fucking wrong so (laughs) yeah like there's going to be like your hardcore supporters who also don't get it so I don't know just do you if you come up with something cool like that just just try it I've never been the kind of reader who notices or cares about unreliable narrators because I just if they're telling me this I'm understanding it as a thing that's happening whether it's not real or not doesn't really matter but it says something about the character and if it if i come to realize if the character if somehow the narration leads me to the understanding that oh that wasn't actually you know that's just part of the experience that's just part of what happened oh i realized later that he was lying about that that Mm -hmm. and this is what really happened or Mm -hmm. whatever I just, I'm just along for the ride, if you will. And so I think, you know, the town of birds story and even this journey, like I didn't think of it as a metaphor. I was just along for the journey. I just right. wanted to see how that played out. Right. And, uh, you can think about it later, like, oh, what could it possibly mean? But like we talked about before, there's no reason to do that. And whether or not you have to think about it, you can also have like a takeaway. Like I didn't have to like sit here and read the story and like really think about it for like the feeling of like melancholy and regret and like angst like loneliness to come across right like I still come away with a feeling with these stories it's only when we decide when we start to look too hard at like why we feel that way that we start to assign meaning to like the writer's intentions but if the writer achieved that feeling it was successful but that's why I like your takeaway is just to go along with it I guess me as a reader I'm just going to go along with it too so just uh you know, enjoy the journey. Yeah. Find out what you're going to, what's going to happen next. That's all we care about. <laughs> yeah. Just assume that we're not going to get it anyway. So like have fun. All right. Thanks guys. If you enjoyed this episode, consider joining our Patreon. Your support helps us keep the show running. Find out more at patreon.com slash why is this good podcast. And for industry news, writing tips, and great short fiction, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Naples Writers Workshop. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter at napleswritersworkshop.com.